Hello and welcome to episode 185 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. Today on the podcast, we have no new movies to review, but we certainly have no shortage of topics to talk about, as we'll be recapping the 94th Academy Awards, which happened this past Sunday evening. But first, how are you, Scott? I'm good. We just spent the weekend together um, watching movies. Uh, We even recorded a podcast that has yet to air. You'll get to hear that next week. So get excited about that, I suppose. Or don't. I don't really care. Um, But we're talking about our most anticipated movies, so that's something to get excited about, I think. If not us. In the same room. Talking in the same microphone. Audio quality is probably worse than usual, but you know, what are you going to do these days? But yeah, it was a great weekend. I got to explore North Carolina for the first time in a while. Uh, saw I've, I've been to Aperture now. Uh, we had some great food. The food was delicious. Um, yeah, I hope you had a good weekend as well. Yeah, it was great. Uh, exploring North Carolina maybe is a bit of a stretch for what we did. But, you know, we uh, we went we to a barcade. Between, we went to Greensboro. Yeah, we did do that. We did go to Winston. We uh, checked we out the, the local Kernersville haunts. Uh, yeah, we, we, we did we high point as well. High point. Yeah. So. We, we covered the triad area for sure. We covered the Piedmont triad area. Um, but yeah, I we suppose there was time. also an, an Academy Awards as well. I guess I didn't mention that, but yes. there was one of those also. I, I was going to say uh, we capped off our uh, <laughs> trip with our, our time together with watching the Oscars. Um, you know, we had anticipated that we were going to be watching it in person at some sort of get together. Um, at yep. Aperture, where which they usually have their red carpet party every year. They did not um, have that this year. And now, in retrospect, Scott, looking back, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to watch this year's Oscars in particular um, with a would bunch of Uncut Gems-level gasps um, in, in the crowd, probably. Yeah, I yeah. Again, the reactions probably would have been all over the map. Um, it was just, it was chaotic enough just watching it you and I in the same room, uh, yeah. trying to figure out exactly what we had just seen happen. Um, true. And I'm talking about Belfast winning Best Original Screenplay um, and nothing else, of course. Um, no, of course, uh, there was a lot to talk about from this past weekend's Oscar Scott. Um, but before we get into the specific moments of the night, as well, we as have to talk about how we big, watched the wrong the wrong red carpet channel for like 45 minutes. In the, the big incident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we uh, we decided we wanted to turn on the red carpet coverage, and for some reason, my ABC app on my Roku defaulted to the ABC, ABC News. News channel, yeah. um, and they were on the red carpet, yeah. uh, but they weren't really interviewing anyone. After about twenty, you know, twenty twenty five minutes or so of like nothing important happening, we were like, "This what, what can't be the official show. Like, there's no way that this is the legit show, and they're just not even talking to anyone." And then at that point, we discovered we were on the ABC News channel and needed to switch over to ABC proper to see uh, Vanessa Hudgens with all the big stars. Um, So that was a a great goof on us. But we got there eventually, and uh, we had some technical difficulties with the actual start of the show, too. But um, luckily, I'm sure many people did avoid those for most of the ceremony. Yeah. Uh, But Scott, before we get into those specific moments and the big incident, of course, um, you know, when we talk about our movies, when we review movies, we always start with general impressions. So I want to ask the same thing to you about the Academy Awards. Scott, what are your general impressions of the show? Of of the show? Um, 
wow uh what a show that was that was an award show that was a three hour and what 40 ish minute award show uh, 42, I believe, that was yeah. about 30 minutes longer than last year or 20 or 30 minutes longer than last year in spite of apparently attempts to reduce the length by cutting categories which i'm sure we'll talk about later um Disappointing because my number one movie of 2020, 2021 won five awards in that pre-show segment. Yeah. Um, it won six total. One of them was on the actual. Six total. was live, but five were in the pre-show. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a bummer because I would have loved to have because I've read and heard so many um, stories and gotten to hear people like Denny Villeneuve and Hans Zimmer talk a lot about their experiences. Hans Zimmer was not there. But it would have been great to hear more from the actual people in charge of some of the more technical elements that, you know, obviously Denny Villeneuve is, is a huge part of that. But it would have been great to hear the full length speeches. Um, they were edited for time um, and also the walk ups, et cetera, for that. But that didn't probably cut more than a few minutes out of the broadcast. And they decided to uh, way overcompensate for the time they get back for um, whatever else happened on the show that. We can talk about. I thought that overall, it flowed fine editing them in into the actual awards ceremony. Like some people were saying that it like deflated the steam it was building up. I don't personally. I didn't personally feel that way. I just was bummed that it's just so obvious that it's not the same as the rest of the award show. Um, the way it's edited in, not that it doesn't flow, but just that like it's clear you're watching an edited version. Um, which I just thought was a bit of a bummer, especially as someone, as we talk about week in and week out on the podcast, who I think oftentimes really um, focuses in on some of the craft elements as being some of the things that um, sort of enchant me the most about filmmaking, the, what you're able to to do with with the craft elements, you know, whatever those may be. So that was that was disappointing um, at a high level. And then, I mean, yeah, if you talk about the actual winners, I had steeled myself for some major disappointments and frankly there weren't any surprises in the show uh in terms of the awards there were plenty of surprises in other departments um but in terms of the awards there weren't any surprises last night uh all the favorites in every significant category one um if you listened to our prediction if you just logged on to gold derby last week you would have known 22 of the 23 winners from looking at the odds um and that made for an unexhilarating ceremony for the most part in terms of the award winners. I think there were still some nice wins and some nice speeches amidst maybe some of the unenchanting winners of awards. But overall, there was nothing quite as electric about the awards as the last few years for me. Part of that is who was winning. Part of that was there wasn't very much mystery with the exception of, I mean, maybe you could argue maybe there was a little bit of mystery in best actress, but still the favorite one and that as well in terms of the betting odds. So I think disappointing approach to shortening the ceremony that did not work combined with unenchanted or sorry, unenchanting winners for me, for the most part meant that I felt like this award show really fell below, below the standard that I, that I would hope for something like the Academy Awards, not to mention you know, the comedy and the bits that were done um, and sprinkled throughout the show, which, again, going back to the point about not making up 
um, for the time gained back. I think the added time for those didn't do much for me either. There, you know, there were some parts that were funny, certainly, but as you'd expect, most of the bits, uh, they didn't all work, right? Not all the bits worked and some of them, um, were, were more cringe than they were worth. So below, below the standard I would hope for in the future and have certainly hoped for in the past. Yeah, I mean, the theme of the evening uh, was movie lovers unite, according to the Academy. Um, and I think after watching it, it really should have been movie lovers unite, except for you guys, right? Because, um, and unfortunately, we fall in that you guys camp, I think. Um, and what you're mentioning there with, uh, you know, the categories not being presented live um, was uh, a big, you know, big disappointment we knew that was going to happen obviously but uh it still hurt to see them actually go through with it um especially like you said with dune winning a lot of the awards would have been nice to give those artists more of a spotlight i mean the speeches themselves weren't even fully shown from what i understand yeah no they were um, they were edited for time yeah yeah um and like you said of course the editing for time ended up being pointless in the end because they added so much other useless crap into the show that um i mean also know, like what did they being... cut out they cut out the 30 seconds of people walking to the stage the 45 seconds of people walking to the stage and maybe like 30 seconds of a of a one minute speech like what like yeah. what did, like what time did they really like they gained like 10 15 minutes if you actually total? do the math on if you actually do the math on it it doesn't make any sense but we knew that that was going to be the case we knew it wasn't going to make any sense this was just um one of the academy's many um lackluster and I'll be honest, cowardly efforts to try and kowtow to a specific audience of people who have not been watching the Oscars. Um, some of us would say they've not been watching the Oscars because they're not actually movie fans, and therefore um, we shouldn't even be trying to cater the show towards them. But um, uh, yeah, I, I personally wouldn't agree, that, agree with that. But I, I don't think you have to watch 100 movies a year to be a movie fan. No, and, I, and I'm not saying that at all. Um, but this show wasn't really about movies at all, I guess, which is where I'm I'm headed. There were awards presented uh, to movies and to people, um, you know, involved with movies. Um, but at the end of the day, the talking points from the awards, both intentionally and unintentionally, of course, there was a big there was the big incident, which was not planned. But also, you know, the the things which were sprinkled throughout the show. Um, like the comedy bits, like just certain weird moments, uh, you know, their choice of presenters a lot of times, um, the in memoriam section getting very informal, um, a random cameo by BTS, um, a musical performance that was a little strange um, of We Don't Talk About Bruno, and just a, a host of other things basically stole the spotlight away from movies. And you know, again, at, at the end of the day, I think that was the Academy's goal, right? Uh, they they probably created something that will get higher ratings than the past I mean, few did. years. 16.7 million yeah. people watched. That's the second lowest ever in history, but almost 70% greater than last year. So... Yeah, uh, and so in that respect, you know, they achieved what they wanted. Everyone is still days later talking about the Oscars, um, but nobody is talking about movies. And as and, a movie fan, that... I mean, yeah, and, and to be really on the nose about it, it's not even the other bits that people are talking about. 
it's just one incident that was not planned that people are talking about. That's the only thing people are talking about at this Oscars. Well, th- that is true. But now, but that is true. But even throughout the show, right, there was very little being said about the awards. It was, you know, more focus on um, just because of the way that the presentation was, right? The presentation didn't foreground the awards. It foreground all this other, for, foregrounded all this other ca- crap, like I said. Um, so from that perspective, um, it was easily the worst Oscars that I can remember since um, I, you know, began paying attention to the Oscars in my life. Um, and I'm not even talking about the winners even. Like I said, I mean, I was disappointed with a lot of the winners, obviously. There were only a couple awards that really got me that excited in, in terms of who won them. But I wish we were talking about, you know, how poor of a choice it was to give Belfast Best Original Screenplay or to give Coda Best Picture or Jessica Chastain Best Actress. I wish we were talking about that stuff, even though it was disappointing to me, instead of what people are talking about. Um and I now, you know, again, we've talked a lot about the future of the Oscars, and I do worry um, about the future of the Oscars based on the fact that the ratings did increase um, this year. Again, a, a lot of that may have been due to an unplanned incident, but... Um, oh, I actually don't think it was actually because of the unplanned incident. I mean, that happened with 30 that minutes, 45 show, minutes left right. in the show. Yeah. But it, anyway, I, I worry that this type of thing is going to probably going to encourage the academy going forward, and that the slope is going to get even slipperier um, to the point where the the show it really just becomes even more of a complete joke than it was this year. Um, so I know strong words and whatnot, but I was very disillusioned coming away from this. And like I said, that didn't have anything to do with the awards. Um, it was. You know, all a lot, all basically all of the decisions made by the academy here, that you know, not presenting those awards live being the start of it, but certainly not being the end, and in its own way, sort of being um, foreshadowing sort of the the issues with the whole show, which were taking attention away from the movies themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, look. I know this is maybe jumping to the end of a conversation, but just since we're talking about it right now, like I think if, if the Academy wants to make significant changes to make the show shorter and or more watchable, what they need, like simply put, they need to do something like what the Emmys does and they need to present a ton of awards at a completely different ceremony. And that may mean there's a, there's a different separate ceremony for every, for every category that is not, best you know the acting categories director and picture it may mean that all those categories are presented on saturday and there's a different ceremony for that and then you add the six major categories that are left plus the honorary oscar achievement because i'd think that that would play much better than shuttling that over to saturday night and then everyone's still going to be complaining but they're not going to be complaining any more or less than they already are about what you did this year like that way like you can air a second ceremony. You can make it free to stream online, whatever. Like, I don't know if some network would pick it up. You can watch it. You have this full full length ceremony that they have over there. You can have a host if you want to. You can do other bits if you really want to do that, like whatever. I just think that like at some point you either have to accept that the show is going to be four hours long and start earlier, start at 7 p.m. Eastern time instead of eight. Or you do something like other award shows have done and completely break up your ceremony into different into different parts. And they've already sort of done that. They did that with the Governor's Award. They present some other honorary Oscars the night before as well. You just move other awards into that into that group and you make that night 
an even bigger deal than it is. You make essentially have two big nights for the Oscars. I think that's like one potential approach. Now, whether they're not going to do that. I mean, I'm sitting here saying this. They're not going to do that. But it's it's a fool's errand to make this show three hours the way that the producers they hire contemplate it. It's just not possible. Um, so you so at this point, you have to fully cut categories and a bunch of them from this main show and create this really big production around, I think what I'd say, maybe six to eight, eight awards as opposed to 23. Or you accept that you're going to you're going to run a four hour show. And that's fine. Like, I don't mind running it, sitting through a four hour show, but it seems like the Academy is allergic to accepting that. And I think that's that creates a lot of the issues. I mean, yeah, started at 630. Like, I know it's in California, but they, the, the Super Bowl was in California this year, too. They started that at 630. I doubt it hurt the ratings. Um, I think I think 630 is, I mean, I think just seven. Just call it seven. I think 630 is like a weird time to start. I know the Super Bowl does it, but I think it's a weird time to start. Sure. Yeah, I was just using the example of the Super Bowl. But yeah, seven, yeah. you know, gets the job done as well. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, Scott, let's turn our attention away from fis fixing the Oscars because... Uh, as much fists. as we would like to, as much as we would like to, we um, are not going to do that on this podcast. Um, but yeah. let's so let so let's turn to some of the moments from the night. And I guess we have to start with uh, the big incident. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole episode on it. We probably could, but I don't want to spend a whole episode on it because, again, we want to focus on the movies. That's what we do here. That's what the Academy did not do. Um, but of course, it would be silly to just try and act like the big incident did not happen. Um, mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. those who might be, have lived under a rock, um, essentially what happened, uh, the incident that everyone is talking about, Chris Rock came out to present the award for best documentary feature. Um, he made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith um, and her hair loss due to her alopecia, saying that she was gonna be in G.I. Jane 2. Will Smith, her husband, who was sitting there next to her, um, initially appeared to laugh at the joke while his wife was unamused. Um, and then we cut back to Chris Rock, and about 10 seconds later, Will Smith is coming up on stage angrily. He slaps Chris Rock. Um, a exchange happens that is muted on American TV, but we later heard the uncensored version uh, from other broadcasts. Um, Japan and, and Australia, baby. Yeah, proceeds with uh, Will Smith screaming some profanity at Chris Rock about how he needs to stop talking about his wife um, yeah. loudly and very angrily um, and mm -hmm. very seriously um, in the middle of the the room there at the Dolby Theater. Um, obviously created a very awkward uh, moment in the show, uh, and it felt like once that happened, the show obviously never really recovered. Um, it was all people yep. were talking about for the rest of the show. It was all uh, anyone is still talking about, it seems like, two days later. And it's easy to see why. This is, you know, well, maybe not the worst moment. I don't think we need to get into moral qualifiers like that, but it's certainly the most shocking moment, I think, that's ever happened at the Oscars. Um, for someone of Will Smith's stature, um, I mean, it would be it would be shocking if anyone did it. But you're talking about one of the five or ten biggest movie stars in the world um, in Will Smith. And the fact that he reacted this way, um, he you know, a, a lot of people said he assaulted him. I guess, you know, technically under legal definition, he may have assaulted Chris Rock. Um, and he did that on live TV on Hollywood's biggest night on the biggest stage, just 
moments, you know, uh, minutes before he was, you know, highly going anticipated to, to he was get going to the win. Academy Award for Best Actor, yeah. which he, of course, did win. And during his speech, he decided uh, to address the incident somewhat indirectly by <clears throat> referencing Richard Williams, the person that he played in the movie, um, comparing his own actions to Richard Williams' actions in protecting his family, uh, made mm -hmm. protecting his family, protecting the people around him a big theme of his speech, um, and then tried to turn the speech towards embracing love and positive virtues and, you know, again, indirectly responding to the incident that just happened. Um, he got very emotional. Uh, he did apologize, did not apologize to Chris Rock in the moment. Now he has apologized to Chris Rock on Facebook or on social media since then, um, but did not in the moment. And in fact, seemed to, you know, own his actions a little bit, seemed to um, puff himself up a little bit for what he did. Anyway, Scott, that's what happened. I know you have thoughts on it. Let's let's yeah. do it. Air your grievances. Okay. You know, I've, I've read so many takes on this and I mean, I guess for, for transparency, we're recording on Tuesday night. So it has been, it has been a full 48 hours since this thing happened. And I felt like it's all I've, I've seen on Twitter. It's literally all I've seen. Um, so I feel like I've digested a lot of different takes. I don't think you're going to get any wild ones um, in this parish uh, of the world. I think that it was wrong. It should not have happened. And as much of as, as problematic as just like the, the physical act of getting going up on stage and hitting someone who made a joke that you didn't like is that that itself is quite problematic um, for obvious reasons. It's assault. It's, you know, like it is assault. Like you said, it is assault. It's not like he went up on stage and um, killed the guy, as Judd Apatow said on Twitter. Um, well, he said could have killed the guy, I guess he didn't say he killed. Yeah. Him. Um, which is just that might be the worst take that I've seen. Honestly, there's a bunch of bad takes out there, but that's one of the worst takes that I've seen. No, I, I've um, seen worse, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, I I logged on for about 30 minutes earlier today and and decided that I can't do that for the rest of the day. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think for me. And I know maybe I'm I'm probably in the minority on this because some people you know did like the speech I think did appreciate the approach he took in his speech. I found I found the speech the doubling down that I felt like he was doing the justification that he was doing to me that felt even more problematic than the act itself, just because it reeked of someone who. I mean, obviously, it's still in the. I mean, it's forty-five minutes later. I mean, I looked at the time difference. It was like forty-five minutes after it happened is when is when he was giving his speech. And so, it, for all intents and purposes, he is still in the moment, right? He is still hot about it. You know, temperatures running high throughout the room, in that you know, and, in his sphere. And Go you ahead. know, I heard I've heard that his publicist was talking to him um, in sure. in that forty-five minute gap, as you would expect, given that, absolutely. You know, this publicist probably looking at social media saying, uh, -oh, we need to do some damage control here. I don't think she need to look at social media to know that she needs to do some damage control on that one. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, yeah. obviously that can't have helped. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where maybe, 
you don't know exactly how people are going to take it until you start looking at social media. Because again, some people did stand up for Will Smith, you know, and are still standing sure. up for Will Smith. I mean, Smith. people in the room stood up for still, still they stood up and gave him a standing ovation 30 minutes later. Um, but I guess the point that I wanted to make though, is that the, the thing that really about the speech that rubs me the wrong way, and it, it is important to contextualize because he has apologized now to Chris Rock directly. Um, it seems like he's been able to call, I mean, we haven't heard him speak live since he has calmed down about it, right? Like he's released these statements that I'm, you know, I'm sure are heavily passed through every publicist and, and media person that he has on his team, um, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the thing that I just found really problematic in the moment is the particular flavor of the language he was using, saying things like, you know, love makes you do crazy things. You know, I was I was called by God to protect my family and to protect the members um, of the cast, you know, talking about Anjanu Ellis, Sanaya Sidney, et cetera, member, uh, you know, women specifically in the cast, not protecting John Bernthal, things like that, thought it was, you know, reasonably coded sexist language that he was using. I thought it was deeply problematic talking about how love makes you do crazy things like that is I mean, he sounded like someone who you would associate with domestic abuse. Be like, oh, I just couldn't control myself. Love just made me do something crazy. Um, obviously, that's not the situation that happened on stage. But using that sort of language and thinking those thoughts, just, I mean, I find that deeply disturbing personally. And I think more so than anything else is what drew my attention and I think detracted the most uh, in my, you know, summation or my assessment of of his character. So I think it's, it's one thing to be in the heat of the moment, do something you regret. I've done that. We've all done that. And it's one, th and he could have easily gotten up on there and been remorseful, apologize, et cetera. He did apologize to everyone except Chris Rock at the time. And like you said, he has now apologized to Chris Rock. But I think it was that level of doubling down and the specifically coded language that he was using in his speech that just, I mean, it really irked me. I found it really uncomfortable. Um, and I think not that it was possible to move on from the incident at that point in the ceremony, but it just, I feel like it ratcheted it up for me even more that particular moment. And, you know, not everyone's going to agree with, with my perspective on this one, but it just, it's, it's one of those things that I just, I just can't get out of my head. I feel like the, the specific language that he was using. Yeah, Scott. I mean, I think, you know, this is obviously very controversial. There's people all over the map on this, but I think sure. we're on the same page here. Um, and, you know, as with a lot of these big controversies like this, I think a lot of things that people would tell you are competing ideals can all be true. Uh, you know, absolutely. Number one being Chris Rock probably should not have made that joke. Right. It was he made a bad joke. It was not a good joke. Um, and I say that as someone who tends to be pretty liberal when it comes to comedy. Right. Like, I think we should be, you know, comedians should have a pretty open birth, pretty wide birth, to, um, you know, touch on topics. I think that's what can make comedy great sometimes is that it can take something shocking or hard to talk about or controversial and make it easier to talk about, um, you know, make it make it funny. So I don't say this as somebody who gets easily triggered by, you know, comedians going blue or whatever you want to call it. Um, but the joke was in poor taste. He should not have made it. Um, I think that is that is certainly true. And I don't argue with the people who are saying that. Um, 
I also think it is true that, um, and you and you kind of said this as well, that we kind of need to stop clutching our pearls about the actual act of the slap itself. Uh, we're talking about he walked up and slapped him in the face. I mean, he slapped him kind of hard, but he did not, you know, knock the man out. You know, this is not like he needs to be, you know, hauled out of there immediately in, in cuffs and, um, you know, thrown in jail and whatnot. Like, the people who were saying he, you know, again, maybe he committed assault technically under a legal definition, but they were never going to put Will Smith in jail for assault for this. Um, that's just not really a practical thing. Um, all things considered, there are much worse things that have happened on the Oscar stage, as people have pointed out. Um, you know, one guy slapping another because he made a, you know, inappropriate comment about his wife doesn't, you know, meet the threshold of some of the other things that have happened in Oscar history. I At don't, the same I don't think time, we... all things can be bad. All these things can yeah. be bad. And I think that and this I don't one think is. We, I don't think we need to play whataboutism and, and yeah, everything not like that. that. I, yeah. Like like people who are saying, well, the Academy, where do they get off? You know, they've awarded Harvey Weinstein 50 Oscars. Or and Woody Allen. and Which is a complete yeah. non sequitur, in my opinion. Um, like, I don't feel like that has anything really to do with. Yeah, um, it's like because you've made a mistake in the past, you're not allowed to make something right in the future. Kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, Harvey yeah. Weinstein was not awarded Oscars after his crimes were exposed. Like, he's been in jail, you know. Um yeah. Anyway, I know I, I do think the Academy like, you know, no, I'm not going to stand up for the Academy for more than 10 seconds here. I think them tweeting, we don't condone violence, blah, 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 blah. Well, you kind of did. Right. Because like they just let him sit there. Um, I think it would have been perfectly fine if they wanted to ask him to leave um, for disrupting yeah. the show. Um, I think it was perfectly fine that they didn't ask him to leave personally. But you can't then come out and say. Well, we do not condone violence. I mean, by letting him sit there, by giving him the award, still letting him have his moment, whatever, you kind of condoned it. So, and all, and, and all the, I I love all the like the oh we couldn't org we couldn't organize and come to a decision fast enough. In they had forty minutes. minutes. Yeah. They had forty minutes to come to a decision. Yeah, so dumb. Um, yeah, I mean that, that that was a classic case of the academy. Just like I want, we want to see how the discourse shakes out first, and then we're going to issue our statement on you know our yeah. side of things based on where it seems like people are trending. But yeah, I mean, overall, Scott, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, I, I, again, those things can be true, right? That we don't need to be clutching our pearls like this was some heinous, shocking, vile thing that happened that Will Smith did. Or, you know, that Chris Rock's joke wasn't, you know, inappropriate. It was. But at the end of the day, Will Smith's reaction, I think, is the thing which is the most you know, disappointing about this whole incident. Um, Will like Smith's reaction, to be clear, was the worst part of the incident. The joke yeah. was bad. Will Smith's reaction was worse. Absolutely. Like you said, you know, the act itself was bad. Um, but then the speech, um, you know, it was what really made it worse. His doubling down, um, his, you know, he mentioned that Denzel Washington had come over to him during the break. Uh, before yeah. he won and said, you know, kind of try to talk to him a little bit, talk him down a little bit and, and said to him specifically, you know, when you're at your highest, that's the when the devil comes, for, comes yeah. for you, which I think is good advice. Like, it's a good thing to say to him in that moment. Sure. But he seemed to take it, I think, as Chris Rock being the devil uh, and him being, <laughs> you know, the conquering hero in a way. Um, whereas I think probably what Denzel Washington meant was 
hey man, be careful here. Like you're about to be at your highest moment ever winning an Oscar. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't let Pride. the devil, yeah, get yeah. the whole get a hold of you and cause you to do something that's gonna, you know, make you topple down that mountain. Um yeah. I'm glad he's apologized and whatnot, uh, you know, to to Chris Rock afterwards, even if it was just a statement on social media. Um, but you know, I'd be lying if I said this isn't gonna affect my perception of Will Smith forever probably like i don't think he's ever going to be able to distance himself from this and that's the thing people the people out there and there are still people who think that this was staged um and look i get it the initial that was everyone's initial reaction right like it was actually with the censored version on american tv like of course you don't think i mean it, it could have easily just been another stupid bit in a night full of stupid bits um that the academy orchestrated mm -hmm. however when you think about it, you know, for number one, when you see the uncensored footage, number two, when you see Will Smith's speech, and number three, when you really just think about logically, what could Will Smith possibly have had to gain from agreeing to do something like this, um, this whole thing? Like, sure, they could have paid him money, but do you honestly think Will Smith, like, again, one of the biggest movie stars, probably one of the richest people, needs money so badly that he is willing to do something Tarnish that is going to tarnish his reputation forever and like you know people are talking about he may not be invited back to the oscars like in the future i don't know whether that's going to happen or not well but i like, think i think he's going to be invited back and i think he's going to present an award with chris rock next year yeah well that would be something if the academy pulls that off but um yeah but but yeah i mean at the end of the day it doesn't make any sense for it to be staged. Like I, I get yeah. thinking that in the moment, but like now with just hindsight, watch the uncensored footage. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. That in and of itself, and people in the room were talking about how uncomfortable it was. Like people who were there, it, it was clearly not a bit. Um, yeah, and that's that's what there is to say about that. I think Scott. Uh, it's also just like the Academy reaction would have been so different. I think if it had been a bit. Because as soon as this thing like goes nuclear and just completely derails the entire show, they'd have been trying to calm people down about yeah. this. Um, and instead, they just had no idea what to do. Like they would have there would have they would have had a planned reaction to this thing. Right. Like <laughs> um, it just seemed like pure chaos, honestly, um, in the aftermath of it. And that certainly wouldn't have been the plan if uh, if that happened. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said on Twitter last night, the great irony of this whole thing is that the Academy spent all this you know, time on the show trying to go viral um, with all these stupid, you know, little gags and stuff. Um, and the thing which actually made it go viral was basically the one thing they didn't plan for in the night. Um, sure. Funny how life works out like that. But, you know, that doesn't mean the Academy is not going to take credit and say, well, here's what the people want. We're going to give them more cage matches next year. I mean, that might be a little bit of an, of an exaggeration. Um, but, you know, you're, you're again, probably it went right. viral, like, but it didn't. I don't think I think I saw it, it spiked 600,000 in the last 30, which is a lot of people. Right. But like on average, there were 16.6 million people tuned into the broadcast. So in the grand scheme yeah. of things, it didn't drive up viewership that much. Um, it'll be interesting to see if viewership goes up next year. Everyone watching, just in case someone gets gets slapped. Yeah, and that's again, that's what I, that's what I worry about for the future is you know 
trying to recreate something like that, like not spontaneously or whatever. The the Oscars. I don't think they're going to recreate that. Not not recreate that actual thing, of course, but I don't know. Try to create some other like semi-viral moment where you're questioning was this real or you know was this fake or whatever and, and and even doing things like you said like having will smith and chris rock come out and present something together um you know i think could could be part of that but anyway anyway sure. um that is slapgate let's talk about some movies scott um sure because Zack snyder's justice league is that the best place to start live or not there were 23 Oscars that were handed out um, on the evening. Uh, and I guess we should start with the big winners. Um, number sure. one, the biggest winner, not necessarily in terms of quantity, but in terms of quality uh, of its wins, was Coda. Uh, Coda taking home the prize for Best Picture, um, one of three Oscars. Uh, it also won Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for Troy Kotzer. Scott, if you go back just a few weeks on the podcast and listen to us talking after the SAG Awards, I'm sure we could probably be easily clowned by what we were saying about Coda's chances to actually win Best Picture. Um, And, you know, maybe we deserve it to some extent, but this just really came on so late in the game. Um, You know, I think it was a lot about the campaign. They let they ran a very good campaign. And like I, you know, was saying to you the other night, I think the preferential ballot, I wonder if, again, that played a factor in this happening because um you know coda is a movie that we didn't love but it was definitely near the middle of the list and it just seems like there's not a whole lot to hate about the movie whereas a lot of the other movies on the list even some some that we did love you know Mm -hmm. you could see people hating them and ranking them towards the bottom i mean heck wanda sykes even makes a power of the dog joke right about how i turned the movie on three times and i only made it halfway through um, which is just a problem in and of itself um, that that joke was that they felt that that was appropriate to make that joke on the show. But um, it wasn't also, the only time I no know, one watched this movie joke appeared on the broadcast. Yeah, very, very dumb and bad and cynical. Um, but, you know, that speaks right there to Power of the Dog, which we thought was the biggest, you know, competition for Coda. There are plenty of people out there who share Wanda Sykes's opinion, unfortunately that found the movie boring that maybe didn't make it all the way through um and you know because of that may have ranked it near the bottom of their ballot whereas coda you know just by its very nature right like it's a crowd pleaser it's a good natured movie it has representation that is important that matters that people that makes people feel good right like when it won best picture everyone in the in the room was doing the asl clapping um it clearly made an impact um and for that reason it took home the prize um in the end scott i I take it you're not surprised that this ended up happening despite our comments you know just a few weeks ago no not surprised um i we you know our last time to talk about this uh was like you said i think it was two weeks ago because last week we talked about the we did our own awards we did our own awards so we didn't talk about our predictions um with that level of of recency leading into the ceremony if we had i would have absolutely predicted coda you know in my bracket pool that i submitted at work i put coda troy kotzer had it for screenplay like i had belief that these things were going to happen as much as i wouldn't have chosen that direction myself and 
like I said, sort of when I was talking about my general impressions, I wasn't surprised by this um, when all when all was said and done at the ceremony. You know, this tidal wave for Coda, it felt like it was going to happen, and it did. And it's great for them. You know, I thought Troy Kotzer's speech was great. Frankly, don't remember anything that happened in the best picture speech because at that point, the, sh- the ceremony had been overshadowed by what we were just talking about previously. And I think like many people watching, didn't really know what was going on at that point, to be honest. But for Troy Kotzer's speech, I thought it was a great speech. I thought it was probably the best speech of the night, frankly. Um, granted, again, I don't remember it, the last four or five speeches that happened on the show. But I really enjoyed his speech. I thought it was really well done. Uh, really, in a ceremony, to your point, this is a point you are making earlier, that didn't always celebrate the making of movies. I thought it was a really important moment, not only of inclusivity around deaf actors, him being the second deaf actor to win um, you know, best uh, an, acting, an acting award. And I, I found his comments about how important it is to have the environments and the theaters where he grew up essentially and became a professional actor, um, the deaf community, the deaf theaters that he grew up in. I thought that was just one of the most enriching moments of the night to hear that talked about and hear that celebrated as fostering talent um, that will eventually make it into, you know, the Hollywood business or, you know, maybe also just the theater business as well. So I just thought that that was a really special speech and, you know, as, not surprised as I was, um, and how you know Coda was middle of the pack in my rankings of the be- of, of the films and best picture. Um, I was disappointed by the win to an extent, but I was happy to to hear Troy Kotzer talk about um, you know why it was so important to him and the communities he wanted to focus on. So I thought that was a that was a, a diamond in the rough, if you will. Yeah, I mean, look, I. I don't think the movie should have won by a long shot. Um, and I think it's kind of crazy that, you know, when you think of all the coming of age, you know, family dramas like this and whatnot that we've had over the past decade or so, that this is the one that cracks that you, that breaks through and win best picture seems kind of crazy when you think about it. Cause it's just, it's not close to being the best one with all that being said, this is not a green book, you know, level disaster. Um, you know, yeah. it's like you said, it, it makes you feel good to see this movie win. Um, I, it, you know, in, in some ways seeing it win is very similar to just the experience for me of watching the movie itself, right. Where, um, you know, you kind of roll your eyes a little bit at some parts. It's not, um, necessarily the best at what it is doing. Sure. Um, but, you know, you still feel good because of the representation um, and what it clearly meant to all of them. Uh, now, you know, I've said this a few times, but like, I don't think that's everything, right? Like, I think the representation is important. I think it's something that you take into account to some extent when evaluating the films. But um, at the end of the day, I still think the Oscars in particular need to be about objectively what was the best movie. As close as we can to object, you know, being there's objective. no objectivity. It's people sure. voting on uh, movies. There, there probably isn't, but um, I still think the Oscars need to be the ones which are trying to be the, you know, 
establishing what quality is. And I don't think that just because the film features the type of representation that it does, just because it's a feel good movie or whatever, just because people, everyone, you know, no one, nobody hates it again, to my point earlier, that doesn't mean it's the best picture of the year. I, I don't think it won picture. because no one hates it. I, I don't believe that. I think that, well, contributed. I think, it played, I think it, again, yeah, I think it contributed for sure. I'm not saying it was the whole reason either. Um, but I think it was, again, a combination of things of, um, the representation people really liked the fact that it makes you feel good. It's a crowd pleaser. Um, and you know, the fact that it's a hard movie to hate to go along with that. Um, I think we're probably a lot of the, you know, you put those things together in a blender. I think a lot of that was the reason for Coda's surge in the end, rather than people saying, Oh, Hey, this is actually the best movie in the pack. Um, I, I guess I'm I'm having a hard time connecting the dots a little bit. I, I do think that uh, many people, many people in the Academy probably put this as their number one movie on their list, p- saying that it was the best movie of the year. I, I believe that. I 100% believe that. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's just a, a matter. Of, but but I, again, it's just a subjective difference on what you what we consider to be best i guess um you know again I, yeah so I, my I, think, point, I think i think what you're people trying to are say considering is that... it the best movie because of these things which don't really have anything to do necessarily with the quality of the movie for um, you but I, to them that's, that's that I, is what helps determine quality right that yeah and that's the point i am trying to make um but i feel like if we take a step back it's not just it, i don't think it's just a matter of opinion on this particular issue like but the, that's your opinion, <laughs> right? I mean, sure, whatever. But like, again, the, these things, the people represented in the movie, the feel good nature of it, the, those to me aren't like qualities of what make a good movie. And I, I would like to hear the argument as to why they are. Uh, like why that but aren't your favorite movies on a yearly basis ones that make you feel good and that you like and that you enjoy watching but that's not the only reason why that is not the only reason why um i don't know we're going down a a different road here i think with i I just think that the that you disagree with what the academy has assessed as a quality film and i just i just feel like that's the difference like there's people in the in the academy that have deemed this these these things have built up to like a, a good movie to the best movie of the year you disagree with them i disagree with them too but like to say that i mean you can say that they're wrong but like if they're the ones who are determining quality like they have determined quality for this year and making and a movie being doing like accomplishing making a large audience feel good giving having one of the best having the best male actor of the year in the film voted by the academy as well and having a screenplay which goes into the feel good element of it that also won. Like, I think that the Academy has determined quality. You can agree or disagree with that. I mean, we think we both here on this podcast would disagree with those elements. But I mean, I think it's just saying, I think at the end of the day, like, we're just disagreeing with what they've determined is the best. And I don't think someone's voting for it because they don't think it's a high quality movie. It's just that they what they've determined as quality you disagree with. Yes, I, I you're you're absolutely right about that. Uh, and again, I don't want to go further down the road. Um, again, just just to reiterate my point, I think that the things which they are considering when assessing quality, um, I don't think should be the most important things 
that people consider um, when it comes to film. And I have issues with the fact that me saying that is considered to be a matter of opinion. Like, I think there is. A, a it, but it is a, a matter of opinion. You can't say that you are the objective truth and like what quality is right. Like surely you're not. I'm not I'm not saying that I am, but I'm saying that there are objective elements in a film. Sure. Which should be the determiner determination of whether a film is high quality or not. And I don't think the things that people are evaluating about Coda are particularly praising about Coda fall within that range of the objective elements of the movie. Yeah. So I guess then what I would say in response to what you just said there is that what's important, like the weight that someone gives certain attributes is, is the subjectivity, right? Like that's, that's the subjective element. Yeah. Like how important, you know, I don't know, insert like how funny a movie is as a, as a measure of quality is like up to the individual determining how, like where they would rank the movie in their list of best movies of the year or whatever. Right. And like the the conflict, I guess, is like you think certain elements are more important and you don't think Coda had them. And people in the Academy thought either either A thought that the movie did have those things that you say are important, or B thought different things were more important in the weighting of the quality elements. And we can we can sit here and say like these are the 10 things that make a movie good or not. Um, like that might be objective. Um, maybe like maybe we could all sit in a room and come up with an objective list. Um, as, as I don't know, as the Academy or film Twitter or whatever we want to do, but like how we how we weight those things, given our own like personal tastes, or like that's that's where like the sub subjectivity might come in. Sure, yeah. Um, and, and again, Coda is not a bad movie. Certainly, um, I liked the movie, but when you put it alongside something like Drive My Car, for example, which was also in the category, yeah. Um, Again, maybe it's maybe I'm just looking at things from a one sided perspective and, uh, you know, it's it's all subjective. Like, I don't see how you could not say that that was a better a better film from a quality perspective. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think I again, I think that that that's where it's like, I would agree with you. I think it's a better film quality perspective. You've stated that you feel it's that way. People in the Academy did not feel way feel that way. And if you had a conversation with them, I'm sure they could explain to you why. But that doesn't mean that they're objectively Their explanations wrong. would not be satisfying. I can already tell you that. But well, yeah, because uh, you're because me, you're dead set on on no argument appealing to you that Coda is a better movie than Drive My Car. That's why it wouldn't be satisfying. Not because yes. they couldn't create an argument that is still an argument that they've created. Just like you couldn't convince them that Drive My Car. Was I believe they can. Film. I believe they can create an argument, uh, but I just think their argument's going to be wrong because yeah, and they're going to think your argument's wrong that Drive My Car is better. I mean, it's just it just goes around in a circle, man. Like that's the subjective element of it. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, moving on uh, from whatever that was. Uh, best Actress, Scott. Um, we talked a little bit about Best Actor, which sure. was uh, Will Smith, of course. We've given our thoughts on that. Um, but I suppose we Jessica, Ch Jessica Chastain was the winner for Best Actress. Again, we kind of thought that this was going to happen. It was trending that way as we reached the Oscars. Um, she did win for a performance in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, being Tammy Faye, I, I think is what you meant. Being Tammy. Sure. Faye. Yeah. I've heard it both ways, but, um, the, uh, a movie Scott that I watched, um, in the last seven to 10 days or so. Yeah. Um, I'm shocked you did was that, bad. honestly. It was bad. Um, well, I mean, you know, again, I, I feel obligated, like 
we always talk crap about these movies like judy yeah. for example um like we never saw judy we haven't seen the movie like i have a feeling i know what the performance was like and can you know make comments about that based on what seems to be the you know consensus and um precedent for these types of movies but um at the end of the day I don't want to be, you know, if somebody else came to me and was evaluating a movie that they had not seen before, I would probably get upset about that. And so I don't want to be that person. Um, this is where I, I play the don't look up card. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, you know, there are some sometimes you have to cross the line. That's all I will say. Fair um, enough. That's very true. But uh, yeah, for the eyes of Tammy Faye, Scott, uh, and, and again, we thought this movie was going to win. Don't look up was really not in, the, in question for something that was going to win. No, um, no, that's true. So uh, well, it probably could have going to win original screenplay, maybe. I don't know. In major category. Yeah, I guess, you know, it it had a slim chance. But Jessica Chastain wins. I don't think the performance was was great. It might have I probably would have ranked it fifth out of five in the category if I'm being quite honest with you, Scott. Um, And I don't think I would have rated it fifth out of the five. (laughs) Yeah. Continues the trend of you play a real person. You do an impressive physical transformation. Right. And you win the Oscar. Um, Nicole Kidman played a real person too. And, you know, uh, so did Kristen Stewart, mm-hmm. but Jessica Chastain had the most significant physical transformation, right? Some people were saying she was unrecognizable. I don't really think she was unrecognizable, but again, a, a matter of opinion. Um, but, um, anyway, the, the trend continues, Scott, and it does. it's not a trend that I'm a particular fan of. Um, because in both categories, uh, again, it unsaid, maybe this is maybe too. this is just a matter of opinion too. But I don't think physically transforming uh, is the quality of a performance that should be evaluated when you're determining what the best performance was. Yeah, I think there's certain elements that that you could maybe include, right? Like mannerisms and stuff. Like that's part of that's part of the transformation, probably. Um, you know, accents, things like that. I think that's all part of like a holistic transformation. But Purely the people, like, like the, pre- the pre-show, for example, were making, they were like, she sat in makeup for seven hours every day. That doesn't have anything to do with her performance. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Well, the makeup I mean, to- was fine. She, they won an Oscar for makeup, but that's not her performance. Yeah, I mean, t- I mean, to be fair, I don't read too much into that because I think that they were speaking more to just like, this is the experience that she went through making the film, not necessarily saying it should win because she sat for seven hours in a makeup chair. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm not inside the head of the people who are making those comments, but it's a part of the, like, it's speaking to like the experience. She, I mean, she's talked about it openly, right? Like there are elements of her, I mean, it wasn't, didn't she say there were like elements of her appearance that have like permanently changed because of the, like the weight of the makeup on her face. Um, that's like pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, obvi- obviously that doesn't have anything to do with the performance, but I think it's just part of the experience of, of doing one of these things. It is a trend that continues. It is my opinion that I think that this is a boring trend. I don't find it interesting um, for these performances to be rewarded. It seems like a huge driving factor is there is the is the like the real person behind the performance is a big driving factor. And and obviously that's something that's really resonating with the Academy. It's not resonating for me. I think that. It, these are these are transformations that are happening. They are adopting these personas and these characters. There is acting that is happening. It's just not the sort of soul penetrating performances that I sort of hope for and and that I seek out when I'm looking for the best performances um, each year in my and in, in my and I, I think that is an opinion. That is my opinion. 
Um, yeah, like I like you said, and I agree with you. I think that I would put this fifth out of five. I haven't seen the film, so who knows? Maybe I, if I saw it, then I'd I'd feel differently. But I certainly would have put Olivia Coleman, um, Penelope Cruz, and Kristen Stewart, who also did play a real person, admittedly, as performances that I think really dug at my core a little bit more than what has been described to me as what Jessica Chastain is doing with this performance. And I felt similarly um, about King Richard, uh, about um, Richard Williams as well, Will Smith's performance. So it, it's disappointing. I don't find it to be an interesting trend. Um, I find it much more interesting that what Olivia Coleman, for example, is doing with, you know, someone like Lita in The Lost Daughter. Um, part of that, of course, is the is the character and the story that I find interesting as well. They, it's hard to separate those things, but she's able to embody and portray a character that I just found um, both the character and the portrayal, you know, quite um, thought-provoking, I guess. Yeah, I can't say that Jessica Chastain's performance provoked many thoughts, if I'm being honest with you, um, <laughs> when I was watching it. Yeah. Um, or at least not about the performance itself or what sure. was going on in the film. Um, and I think she's a talented actress, for sure, and yeah. has given great performances in the past. Um, but this is another trend, right? Like Joaquin Phoenix, uh, you know, brilliant actor, wonderful actor, wins for arguably his worst performance, at the very least, the worst movie that he's been in. Um, and the same can probably be said for Jessica Chastain, although she was in the 355 this year, so that may have actually been the worst movie that she's been in. <laughs> um, I haven't seen either film, but I'm sure those films are competing with each other in terms of quality, in terms of what we would define quality as. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, the act actors, I guess, as long as these people keep winning for these, uh, you know, transformations, actors are going to keep doing keep doing them. And I hope yeah. that they will find ways to challenge themselves in the future. But I'm not holding out hope. Um, you know, uh, we already have Austin Butler coming up is going to be playing. Um, yeah, Elvis is going to be playing. Elvis and uh we know that that well I, I guess that's not really going to be an uh, Oscar contender now that um it is going to be rated NC17 apparently but the uh Anna oh. de Armas uh Marilyn Monroe film Blonde that Andrew Dominic is doing Why uh, wouldn't that be eligible are those movies not eligible for Oscars I mean I, well yeah I mean I guess they are I mean Midnight Cowboy won best picture but I, I don't know I would think that that would hurt its its chances uh, just because of the accessibility of it. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's still coming out on Netflix or not. I think it was. I was going to say, yeah, if it's coming out on Netflix, it's perfectly accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe I'm just, th my thinking is too old fashioned on it. Like maybe 20 <laughs> years ago, um, this would have yeah. been the killing blow. Um, like if you ever watched that documentary, this film is not yet rated. It's really a lot about how the NC 17 is, is a death was a death knoll for movies at the time, but you know that was 2006 or whatever when that documentary uh, came out. I guess things probably have changed at this point. But anyway, that's I mean the only example. theaters that it has to release in are the Paris in New York and the Egyptian in LA, and it's and it qualifies and is eligible for for an Oscar. So, but it's probably not going to win because it's a Netflix movie. But anyway, uh, Facts. Anna de Armas. Facts. That's another example. She's going to be playing Marilyn Monroe. Um, yeah. and there are, I'm sure, you know, you just look through the list of upcoming movies. You can find a host of other examples. Um, none of which we talked but, about next week though. What's that? I don't believe we talked about any biopics, um, in the episode that we'll be releasing next week on our most anticipated. No, list. I don't believe, I don't believe we did. Um, and you know, I think the biopic is a good genre. Like 
you can do things with biopics. Sure. Um, I think, you know, I'm trying to think of some recent examples that were really great. I think um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Marielle Heller's film, was an example of how you can take what looks like a standard Oscar bait sort of biopic of sorts and make it into something more interesting. Uh, I, Tanya is an example. Yeah, I was going to say I, Tanya for sure. I mean, that was one of my favorite movies from that year. Yeah. Um, so there are ways to do it, but I just think that the traditional Wikipedia entry biopic um, that just kind of goes through the major beats of someone's life without offering any real insights on them and just saying, this is what happened. Um, mm -hmm. Combined with actors doing big physical transformations. Um, is I lied. SP. We talked about Leonard Bernstein. Oh, right. We did. We talked about Maestro. But spo uh, spoiler for next week, I guess. But yeah. Um, and does Killers of the yeah, Flower so Moon count as a biopic? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but Jessica Probably Chastain not. winning for Best Actress there, her first Academy Award. Um, also winning her first Academy Award, Scott, Ariana DuBose, who won yeah. Best Supporting Actress. Um, again, this was a no doubter. Um, but she wins for her performance as Anita in West Side Story. Um, you know, the fun bit of trivia here, of course, is that she's the third. This is the third pair of act of actors to win an uh, Oscar for playing the same character. The other examples being Robert De Niro um, and Marlon Brando winning for playing Vito Corleone. And then Joaquin Phoenix and Heath Ledger winning for playing the Joker. Um Anita, very different character from the two of those, um, but uh, Ariana DuBose winning. Um, I thought she gave a pretty nice speech. Yeah. Um, one of the better ones, one of the more memorable ones on the evening. This opened up the show. It was a good, nice, positive start to things. Um, you know, I know it wasn't either of our personal pick, Scott, for, for the category. And, um, no. you know, maybe it's it's probably, you know, unsatisfying. Uh, when in the end, not because she wasn't good in the film, but like I said, it just feels like um, she didn't do anything new with the role in the way. That, like, again, even you think about those examples I gave, they're like Robert De Niro was playing a very different version of Vito Corleone, I think, in The Godfather Part Two. Um, and the Joker was certainly different. Joaquin I mean, Phoenix, very different takes completely on different characters. the Joker. Anita in both films, having watched them in close proximity, there were there wasn't like a whole lot of things that i can point to that oh ariana dubose really radically um you know refreshed this character um would you say that it's like this weird thing where it's not a performance that's based on a real person but because the the exact performance more or less had been done before that it feels like it's of a similar ilk of something like richard williams or tammy faye baker winning you know, an award being won for playing it, like it kind of feels like a similar ethos in a way, right? Like you're sort of looking at what's happened in the past and you're performing it anew for whatever that's worth. It, it, it kind yeah, of felt that um, I, I think that that is, I see your train of logic there. I mean, I, I would, I certainly wouldn't rope it in with those performances, just quality wise. Like, I, I don't mean to rope it in quality wise, it's just like the sort of trend yeah. that we're seeing in, in real people. Right, winning, winning something that's familiar. Wins. Right, yeah. well, ultimately, it's we, you know, yeah, that's we a better way to put something it. Something that's familiar. Um, yeah, and, and I don't want to circle back again to the best picture conversation, but sure. like I think 
at the end of the day, that's maybe really what I'm trying to say is Coda is not a movie that challenges anyone. And these performances that we're talking about, I don't consider them to be challenging for an audience. And maybe that's fine. Maybe there's people who um, sure. appreciate who, who are fine with not being challenged by their art. But personally, I find that to be a very sort of sad and depressing way to look at art is I just want to watch things that make me feel a particular way that I already know that are not going to expand my viewpoints on anything. Um, like that's the reason I come to movies in a lot of ways is um, to watch something that is going to broaden my horizons, make me think about things that I haven't thought about before, make me see things I feel like I've never seen before. Um, sure. And I don't feel like these performances and the movie Coda, um, other than the obvious aspect, right, of having hearing impaired um, actors in it um, are really doing that. So I guess that's what I was trying to say earlier um, and what I'm trying to say about these performances as well is I don't think they're really pushing movies forward in any way. I think they're really just incentivizing movies to play it safe in the future. Didn't think you'd say on this podcast that West Side Story played it safe. Here we are. Yeah, well, the movie certainly didn't, but uh, I think the Academy's decision, it's, it's not even so much about the movie, again. It's the Academy's decision to um, award a performance that is very similar to one that we've already seen, the exact same character. Um, so, yeah, I don't sure. mean to say that West Side Story, the film, played it safe. That if I realize it probably could have been interpreted that way, but... Um, I mean, it didn't. It didn't from a craft itself. perspective, but it did from a story perspective. It didn't tell. I mean, it didn't tell an original story. You can, yeah, the you can make an argument. Itself, the performance itself wasn't challenging, sure. but the movie, I think, itself was compared to the original. The changes it made. It was interesting. Visual stuff that's being done in the movie. It was interesting. It yeah, was I mean, the thing is, like, I, I definitely hear what you're saying and agree that, like, there. Are, I sometimes I come to movies to be challenged, but oftentimes what I want is I just want to be engaged. Right. Like maybe that's a maybe that's a different way to put it for me that works. Like I want to be interested in what I'm watching. Right. Like that's a lot of the time, like that is what I want. That can come in like that can mean so many different things. Like with Dune, it's like I want to be engaged. I want to be interested in the craft that's I'm seeing in front of me. For the power of the dog, it's like I want to be interested in this like deep analysis of a human being, right? Who is flawed and imperfect. Same for the lost daughter, right? Like drive my car. I want to like be in like swept away by this person's experience with grief. Like these are the things that interest me and engage me. And that can look like so many different ways. And I can see where some people might be really swept away and engaged with something like CODA in its representation, in the way it, it really dives deep into two communities. One, this fishing community and on you know the South Shore of, of Boston. And two, the hearing impaired community. Like I can see how people would be more like more or less interested in that story based on what you're looking for. Um, and I think that it's just like a, it's like a, this really broad category and to bring it back around to Ariana DeBose, totally hear what you're saying around like the performance, the specific character is not one necessarily swept you away and engaged you or interested you like other, you know, entries in this category might have. Yeah. And I mean, I think what you're describing is like the, for me, at least the best versus favorite dichotomy. Right. And I could totally see, like, for me, I totally understand someone saying Coda is one of their favorite films, but I have a tougher time. I obviously have a tougher time from this episode um, seeing how somebody can get to the place of saying Coda is the better film because I, it, or is the best film because I think, um, and 
essential element of that is that it is doing something challenging or interesting. But anyway, um, moving on, uh, Scott, The Power of the Dog, which we have talked about there, which I would consider a challenging film, um, did take home one Oscar, um, and that was for Best Director, Jane Campion. Um, another award that we expected. I mean, I don't even really need to say that because like you said, every award pretty much went as we expected on the night. Uh, but Jane Campion wins her second Oscar, her first for directing. Uh, she is only the third woman to win an Academy Award for Best Director following Chloe Zhao <clears throat> and Catherine Bigelow. Um, but she wins here um for the power of the dog scott any thoughts on this win i think you know we were both we both ranked her in our top five for best director this year so yeah even though i might have gone with hamaguchi myself personally like i certainly don't have any problem with this yeah i think it's hard to say who who would i have got i mean like maybe i i mean who did who did i take as best director so i don't even remember probably Villeneuve, yeah um uh, i mean yeah direct like hamaguchi certainly would have taken in adapted screenplay i think it's a bit of a coin flip here for director here for me but in campion i think she probably was the best or if not tied for the best um in the category or i guess the reverse she's it she's it's fair to say that she won she won this one um it certainly was relieved that she did win i think there that between like this is one of those categories that i'd like probably worked myself up a little bit to think that you know maybe she won't win it Best actress was another category where I'd work myself to say, maybe Jessica Chastain won't win this um, when the ceremony was happening. And I just goofed myself um, on that one. Shouldn't have done that. But yeah, she, I don't really have much to say. She did, she made an incredible film. I think you can really see her eye um, for the, you know, for the camera, for the lens, for the characters and almost everything that you do. And she got an incredible result out of her cast um, and her technical departments, in my opinion. So, Bravo. Well, well worth the award in my book. And, um, you know, I just wish Denny Villeneuve had been nominated. Yeah. And, you know, this does con uh, continue the trend of the Academy being really diverse with its best director winners. Um, a white man has not won this award in quite some time. Like I think Tom Hooper legitimately might be the last one who, won uh the award for best director but um you know we have we obviously we've had some hispanic men win this um and when we, we've now had two straight women uh win the award um i think giselle giselle was probably the last white that's man true win. yep mm -hmm. he was um that is that is fair but but he's um, the only one a... he's the only one since tom hooper in 2010 to have won yeah. yeah this has been the best category in terms of you know, recognizing diverse artists, but also very, very talented artists um, at the, at the same time, sure. um, which is really which is really what we're asking. Um, you know, rec recognize the best people in the categories, and when you do that, more often than not, you're going to have diverse representation there. Um, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, I I just find it. I mean, you make this point. It. I mean, this category has been so strong in terms of diversity but i felt like we the academy has struggled in so many other departments to recognize diverse films and filmmakers yeah. and craftspeople it's like is it just feels so weird like why this why this category in particular i mean there's so many kinds of diversity i don't want to like pigeonhole that into race or 
sex even. I mean, we saw that diversity this year with Coda, no doubt. Um, but it's just weird that it so often seems to be director, at least most commonly. Yeah, I, I don't know that I have a good explanation for why that yeah, is, but I would I would like it if that rubbed off on other categories, I guess is what I'm saying. But sure. Yeah, there you go. Jane Campion, best director. Uh, Scott, uh, we also mentioned Coda winning adapted screenplay. Original screenplay went to Belfast. Kenneth Branagh winning his first Oscar. Um, yeah, I don't think there's really anything to say here. It was disappointing uh, when you consider a couple of the movies that were in this category. Um, I mean, we talked about that. it when we talked about the nominations, right? Like these two categories arguably were the most, besides director maybe, up for debate, most competitive categories in terms of really strong nominations. Um, and to end up with the fourth or fifth best in the category on both counts that's 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 the hardest pill to swallow in terms of it's tough to swallow yeah 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 i mean uh, ultimately i made the joke up front but ultimately i do think belfast's win for original screenplay is maybe the thing of all the wins that irks me the most um when you consider that in particular the worst person in the world um was was right there again i of course i personally would have had licorice pizza i'm at the top of the hill too but um, you know, the if you read read the blind blind Oscar ballots, it was very clear that that was not going to happen. So, um, I, I I mean, for and you know, I guess in a similar note, like for me, I think Coda in some ways is worse just because you had Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog yeah, as the because other of what it was category. Against, yeah. Um, again. I don't have a problem with Coda's screenplay. I don't even really have that much of a problem with Belfast screenplay, but there's just like, especially in the adapted screenplay category, just like four of the best screenplays of the year, in my opinion, in that category, like definitely four of the top 10 screenplays of the year. And you take Coda, which again, I don't have any problem with, but it hurts when, when they nominated the right people. <laughs> And didn't select one of the people who was right for the category. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know how I feel now with what happened with Little Women a couple of years ago. This this category has sure. been the source of a lot of consternation for me because I don't think that the people who vote on it really think about the adapted part of the award and mm -hmm. how difficult or easy it is to adapt something and how creative the adapt adaptation ultimately was. Um, yeah. I and I, and I felt you at the time too. I think I said it like, like the most. little women would a hundred percent been my pick in 2019, you know, for the, I guess in 2020, technically when the award ceremony happened, I mean, Jojo rabbit. I mean, come on guys. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, very similar sort of vibe to Coda in a way, but um, it, disappointing nonetheless. Um, all right, Scott. Uh, otherwise, uh, we have the specialty categories. Uh, we had Encanto winning for animated feature and Summer of Soul winning for uh, best documentary feature. And finally, we, of course, had Drive My Car winning for international feature. Um, Scott, Summer of Soul winning was probably my favorite moment of the night. Unfortunately, it came <laughs> three seconds after <laughs> yeah. the slap. Um, yeah. And so I didn't feel like I really got to appreciate 
Questlove's speech, which was very emotional, um, as you know, as much totally. as I would have liked to, because we were all still um, it, trying to figure out if it was a bit or not. Our mind, yeah, and I'm right. sure the same was was true for the people in the room. And honestly, Scott, it just feels so ironic considering the subject matter of Summer of Soul, right? This thing that people, you know, buried somewhere in a basement, basically for decades and decades and forgot about and ignored and um kind of just um acted like it, it wasn't there or just you know banished it to the pit of lot being lost to history basically um for it to then you know be overshadowed by something else that happened um, some tomfoolery um is poignant to say the least um but tomfoolery. you know the Academy winning the Academy awarding the film is great. And I'm happy for Questlove. He did a truly, truly remarkable thing. I think bringing this footage back to light life and editing it into the film, uh, that summer of soul became, um, he, you know, it was the most richly deserved Oscar of the night for me. Um, and of course they just, like I said, the, the ceremony had to ruin it. Um, any thoughts on those other specialty categories, Scott? Drive My Car, great win. The right film won. In that case, uh, Hamaguchi getting his Oscar was awesome to see. Um, not to reflect on things I've talked about many times before, but I was just so happy to, A, just have discovered his 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 him as a filmmaker this year, but to get to like see him speak twice in person and talk about both of his movies. It's just like one of those moments in 2020 or a couple of those moments in 2021 that I'll just like always really deeply value. Um, so getting to see that rewarded and getting to see sort of like the, the jubilation, that level of emotion, not something that I get, I've ever seen from him, you know, in the few experiences that I've had with him. Um, you know, that's a, that's like a, that, that's one of the, that's a, that is like one of those quintessential Oscar moments. It's exactly what you're talking about with Questlove, right? Like that's the Oscar moment that you want to, that you really want to latch on to and remember. Um, that, we, that we didn't get enough of, uh, which is a shame. And, and you know, and I think it was, I mean, frankly, I think it was a bit of a weak year in animated feature, but like it, even in Kanto winning, like, I think that was, you know, might we have selected something different, maybe sure. But like, it's worthy amongst its nominees to win that award. Um, so like, I was happy to see that as well. And it obviously meant a lot to, to the, um, they, they award the, producers on animated feature? I always forget if they were the director or the producers on these things. Um, but regardless... Yeah, the, I think it's producer. Yeah. Regardless, you know, people... I think these specialty categories, not to say they were the best ones of the night, although they might have been, to each their own, but they were some of... They created Oscar moments that you want to latch on to that, that we were talking about earlier with Ariana DeBose or Troy Kotzer in their speeches. Like, even if you, you don't love the win necessarily like they create these moments that are memorable um and unfortunately there weren't enough of positive memorable moments out of this out of the ceremony yeah not not at all um scott i think a positive another positive was something that we've talked about along the way but dune winning six oscars it did win the most of uh, oh, yeah. any film by a big margin um yeah. Basically doing the sweep of the technical categories. Again, it didn't win for hair, um, hairstyling and makeup or costume um, for costume design. 
Um, but otherwise, it, it kind of ran the gamut there of the technical categories. Most of these uh, presentations were, you know, again, edited from the pre-show um, ceremony. Um, and that, and but, that's you know, and, and to go back around to that point, too, because I, I know I mentioned it at the outset, but just coming off of talking about memorable Oscar moments, it feels like the editing, right? Like the editing for time, et cetera. Like you can say whatever you want about, oh, like no one cares about these awards, no, whatever. Like you can say whatever you want. I'll disagree with you. That's fine. But what I think that is, I really do feel like is indisputable is that when you edit these speeches for time and you you abbreviate these moments, you're never going to get a memorable Oscar moment like we were just talking about out of those, right? Like they had five, it won five awards in the pre-show and the sixth award, Hans Zimmer wasn't there in person um, to receive the award because he's on tour right now. So it's just like a huge, for me as my favorite film, like I mentioned already from a thousand times from 2021, it winning six Oscars and not getting really to have a single memorable moment out of that. I'm thrilled that it won six awards. I'm not complaining, but it's a bummer that I don't have like, you know, I can't see like, oh, like the sound designers, like what an amazing speech that was. And that's like a memorable Oscar moment that I can latch on to that. I just feel like that, like that is, that is the sour note that this ceremony leaves me on. Or it's like the kind of sour note that I think has left a lot of people with that sort of underlines the disappointment overall of the show. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, this is the irony, but like Dune was one of the biggest financial successes of the year, like was one of the bigger blockbuster movies of last year. Like one of the things that yeah. the people, one of the few movies that was awarded that the people who the Academy was trying to apparently appeal to with this award ceremony could have latched on to. Um, and said, hey, look, Dune, I saw that, whether it was in theaters, whether it was on HBO Max, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people watched Dune. Again, it was a big blockbuster movie. Um, yeah. And yet the Academy relegated it, it relegated it to this edited format. Um, just True. one of the many decisions that doesn't really make sense when you honestly sit down and think about it. It's um, a huge bummer. It is uh, also a huge bummer, I guess, Scott, although kind of morbidly funny in a way was these Oscar fan favorite uh, moment and the cheerworthy, most cheerworthy moment. Right. These were um, yes. other failed attempts by the Academy to uh, kowtow to the social media audience, I guess. Um, these were all voted on on Twitter. Um, supposed to vote for your fan favorite, the fan favorite movie of the year. Um, as you would if it was the People's Choice Awards or something. Um, and then the most cheerworthy moment, I guess, in movie history, but there were just all these really random choices. Um, yeah, I didn't really understand. And that. the most cheerworthy moment went to uh, Flash Enters the Speed Force from yeah. uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Again, maybe quite predictable when you consider how passionate the Snyder Bros are, but this might have been the only good thing Snyder bros have ever done is um, getting the Oscars to hopefully abandon this idea because of how much of a joke it ended up being. Um, yeah. Fan favorite movie was equally um, a, a joke with um, a Johnny Depp film called Minamata coming in on the list. Um, again, mostly due to Johnny Depp having a really random but passionate 
uh, contingent of fans on Twitter who probably organized campaigns to vote for it and everything. Um, Minimata coming in ahead, though, of Spider-Man No Way Home, right? Like the biggest uh, movie of the year by a long shot. Um, and also Cinderella making the list, um, the movie that was widely panned by critics. And I think when it all I haven't spoken to, to a probably... single person who enjoyed watching Cinderella. And like, yeah, I know quite I think a few was, people who have watched it. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it was clearly a joke that anyone voted for it. Like, I, I don't think, I don't even think it was a result of like, oh, Camila Cabello fans or whatever. I'm sure there are some of them out there. But like, um, I think that this one was firmly voted for as like, we want to troll the Academy. And that worked. And then again, the Snyder Bros winning with Army of the Dead coming in at number one. Um on the fan favorite movie again not a movie that people loved either but that <laughs> that snyder fans were effectively able to hijack this entire thing like we all saw coming um and it, expose it for the stupidity that it was yeah the the funniest slash worst part of this is now all of the snyder bros on twitter talking about how zach snyder has won two oscars um they think a Twitter poll is the same as an Oscar, I guess. Uh, I well, saw a particular thread that it, that it involved a Drew McWeeny tweet that like a bunch of Snyder bro reply guys got into. That was just particularly baffling. Um, pretty, pretty morose stuff, I think. It, if you go to the page on IMDb, it is listed on the award section of the, the page, but... Um for whatever that's worth. Yeah, it, it's, it's stupid. And again, it was one of the other, it was one of the efforts in the night to, you know, try to capture that social media audience, that viral audience. Um, you know, we sure. had BTS, like I said, they just randomly showed up to talk about a movie from Spider-Man, no way home or moment from Spider-Man, no way home. No, they talked about um, their favorite animated films, but anyway, yeah, BTS, I mean, obviously trying BTS has the BTS army is like the biggest thing on social media, obviously. So, um, obviously, they're just trying to throw them out there. Uh, again, it was just like, here, isn't this something that people like? We're just going to have you look at this, right? Here's BTS. Don't you like BTS? Yeah. Don't you love them? Um, Weird two-minute interlude we didn't need. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, uh, and the performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno, um, which, again, counterproductive. Again, it doesn't make any sense when you think about it. Like, this is one of the biggest songs of the year, Um Forget that it was, you know, in a movie or whatnot. Like, it, it was just one of the biggest songs, period, of the year. And they just decide to cut out a whole part of the song that people enjoy and insert a rap about the Oscars from Me Megan Thee Stallion. Like, take the thing that people enjoy about the song and make it about the Oscars, something that the people who like this song probably don't care about. A song um, that wasn't nominated. Bizarre. Which you haven't mentioned. A yet. song that wasn't nominated. Exactly. Yeah. Um just bizarre and then you know the, like the they honored a few movies that were celebrating anniversaries but like pulp fiction for example was one of the movies that was celebrating an anniversary it was his 28th anniversary again another attempt of being like pulp fiction is a movie that people love here you go we're gonna do this um which at least it was about the movies right like at least they were trying to do something related to movies sure. but like it, it it's condescending is yeah. what i'm saying it, it comes off as condescending what and they couldn't figure out how to integrate the Bond retrospective moment with the live performance of No Time to Die. Like I don't understand yeah. how you can't how they couldn't figure out some way. I mean, look, I I get it. Live and Let Die by the Wings, banger of a song. 
sure. But like you're performing a Bond song in the show live and you have a Bond montage and you can put those things together. But, but Scott, then we wouldn't have gotten to see a drunken Rami Malek doing whatever he was doing when he introduced that. He still could have done that and still pierced my soul in a way that I'll never recover from through the camera. Yeah, I had uh, forgotten about again, that until just now, Scott. Thank you for reminding me about that. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> Condescending is definitely, I think, a good word for this ceremony. Um, and a word that people have been using ever since they tried to do that best popular film thing. Um, sure. A few years ago. Um, just not really understanding what people like and just trying to give people the most baseline thing that... Um, you know, oh, again, Pulp Fiction, people love this. BTS, people love this. Um, sure. Not giving people enough credit. Not giving movie fans, people watching this thing, enough credit to actually appreciate the content of the award show itself. But what do I know? It's a TV show, I guess, ultimately. Well, it's a um, it's a live event. They need they need to have yeah. the... Well, they certainly the wanted to make it more of a TV show this year. Um any thoughts on the hosts, Scott? Um, you know, I didn't think that they were very good. Uh, I didn't expect them to be good, but I thought they all had some yikes moments. Like Wanda Sykes again made that joke about um, the power of the dog. She made a similar joke about nobody having seen the last duel. Um, Amy Schumer uh, made this really uncomfortable joke about Kirsten Dunst, like pretending she was a seat filler um i mean it was a bit they were all in together but yeah it it was but it was like it was again in poor taste and like I, it wasn't funny like i i don't understand like it, it just it just wasn't funny and it could easily be misinterpreted in the way that it was misinterpreted i was gonna say it was it um, was it definitely was misinterpreted <laughs> it definitely was but yeah it's just it's it's bad humor like it's just bad humor um and yeah. Bad humor sometimes has the negative effect, not just of being not funny, but like being misinterpreted in this way to having to being disrespectful when I'm sure that when wasn't the not. intent. But no, it's not even it wasn't and, the intent. It's literally not what happened <laughs> because Kristen Dunst and Jesse Clemens are in on the joke. They are part of. Yes, the I understand. Yeah, I understand. But also Kristen Dunst has a history of like, I don't know, there's there's a lot there in terms of her being sort of cast aside by Hollywood, if you um go back and read a lot into her background but um I, I think it was a weird choice of people of, of person to do it with i guess is, is also they were nominated the that's probably what the reason was and they were sitting together sure yeah um and then regina hall had a very uncomfortable bit where she was feeling up some male, male actors on on the stage I don't josh brolin and jason Momoa. yeah more about that yeah and and you know talking about other actors who were not there but abstractly um com commenting on how attractive they were and whatnot again i don't think we need to say too much about it um and why it was inappropriate it was anything else scott on this dumpster fire of a show um i didn't mind the hosts as much as you did they weren't great i would have been fine without a host um a lot of people are saying this is clearly showed that they needed a host for the oscars i don't have an opinion whether they do or don't need a host, but um, I don't think that these hosts worked ultimately for me. There were some jokes that were funny. Um, 
most were not. That's honestly the truth of most award shows. I feel like they don't have. I don't even know because these I mean, these people are comedians. Don't get me wrong. I just think that the bit humor never works for me. That's the thing. The bit humor yeah. never plays out well live for whatever reason. Um, you can do your stand up like bits. That's totally fine. Most that, that's where I often find the funniest jokes are. And I have full faith that one of that these people could do stand up. But like, unfortunately, most of the time in the show where they are relevant and presenting, there is some stand up at the beginning, but most of it is is bit humor. And I just I don't think that it goes it, it plays well at the Academy Awards. It just doesn't. I don't think I think it's not not at yeah. all. Like, that's the type of thing you expect to see on like. I don't know, the ESPYs or the Kids' Choice Awards or something like that. This We're talking about the Oscars here. Like, the Golden Globes doesn't do that type of stuff. The Grammys doesn't do that type of stuff. Like, it's laughable. It's like, it, it's really just cheapening the whole thing. It always just comes out as awkward to me. Um, I mean, I'm, granted, I'm also someone who's generally enjoyed stand-up comedy more than, you know, sketch comedy. Essentially, I've always found that to be funnier than, than the... Um, than something like SNL skits, but you know, the production quality of these bits are not even SNL skit quality. Like they're not. <laughs> um, and well, recent SNL maybe that's true. I haven't watched SNL in a while. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it doesn't work. I think I'm fine with them. Ha I, I really don't have a problem with them having a host, but if this is what they're going to do with their hosts, it's just, uh, it feels like it's misguided to me yeah the suggestion was made to have lady gaga host next year which i actually thought was a great suggestion um, i mean yeah i mean she i mean she was one we haven't talked about her but like what she did on stage with liza minnelli presenting best picture i mean that was i mean that was that was a that, that like was an the, oscars worthy moment that felt like the actual embodiment of what will smith was talking about in his speech like that was yeah. actually that um, not what Will Smith actually did. Um, yeah, I mean, th that's just the level of, like, love that you want to go into your ceremony, right? To your point exactly. Um, and it's frankly just not the love that I often feel watching the Academy Awards, certainly this year. I think it's true also of other years. This, is, it's, this isn't a unique year. It's been a trend. There have been moments where that's been more present than others, um, for sure, in past ceremonies. And this year was a low in that respect. Yeah, it's just it's that level of like love and care and admiration, I think, that you want to to inject into the ceremony. And and maybe that so much of too much of that would come off as like overly earnest or or campy even. But it certainly didn't have enough of that to even risk getting near that point. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, it, it was it was a it was a nice note to end things on, I guess, because that was the last award. Obviously, that was presenting best picture was in Lady Gaga came out so i think she could uh you know strike the balance of being entertaining um she's obviously a incredible performer yeah um, knows how to work a crowd knows how to be on stage but also at least it seems like from this you know short moment here would give the ceremony and the artists the respect that they deserve so yeah, I mean, no, the truth is no one wants to host the nobody who's who's worthy of host who would be good at hosting the Oscars wants to host the Oscars. I mean, that's just the truth of it. Like. They can't pay Jimmy Kimmel enough money to keep hosting the Oscars. It's very hard to come away like 
you know, looking good from it, I guess. But I think Lady yeah. Gaga could pull it off. But she, there's no, but like she would never sign up to host the Oscar. There's no incentive Ever. for her to do it. Yeah. 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 Like she doesn't need whatever money, whatever sum of money they're going to pay her. It's not, it's not enough. Well, hey, Will Smith obviously need whatever they paid him to, needed whatever they paid him to punch Chris Rock. So you never know. No, they no, no, he did it for free. I think they had to pay Chris Rock a lot to stand up there and get absolutely cold cocked. Yeah, if if it was staged, uh, I hope Chris Rock was, you know, very very uh, heartily compensated for his role in <laughs> good smack. getting his clock cleaned. All right, Scott, where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, at Shelton two zero one three. Um, I've mostly just been retweeting better takes about Will Smith stuff related to the Oscars recently, but hopefully we can move on from that now. Zoe Kravitz went off on Instagram. Go check that <laughs> she out. did. How do you read that by, how do you interpret that by the way? What, like what, what is she, what, what, what's her angle? Oh, I think it, she seems to be very anti what Will Smith did. Like, okay. That's what I thought too, but I was a little, yeah. Yeah. No, that came across pretty clear to me, but, um, I thought that they were like good friends yeah. though. That's what surprised me. I, I I really don't know. But yeah. anyway, you can find me at Scarvey Dent on social media. Um, you can also uh, find our podcast online at patreon.com slash media plug pods. Don't forget to support us over there if you can, even if you can't. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, do all of the things that you do on your preferred podcast app. And we hope that you'll be back for our next episode of the podcast. As we've already alluded to, we'll be counting down our top five and some change most anticipated movies of 2022. But until then, for Scott Shelton, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you down the road.